Way City Church, located in Woodbridge, Virginia, is led by Pastor Marlon Yearwood and exists to reach the lost and disciple the believer. Before we get into our text today, um, I'd like to highlight some of the women that were extremely zealous after the time of Christ's crucifixion. Again, before we get into our text, I want to highlight a few women that were extremely zealous after the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Last week, we went through John chapter 20, and this week, we're going to be in John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14, and God willing, we'll be in John chapter 21 for the next couple of weeks, and then after that, God willing, we will finish on um, in Psalm chapter 23, where we left off. So, in John chapter 20 and verse 1, pay attention to these words. In John 20 and verse 1, now, the first day of the week... Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark. Now, the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Matthew 28 and verse 1. Now, after the Sabbath, as the first day of the week began to dawn, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. Mark 16 and verse 1. Now, when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought spices that they might come and anoint him. Very early in the morning, on the first day of the week, they came to the tomb when the sun had risen. Luke 24 and verse 1. Now, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Selah. So we see uh, so much, or I see so much beauty within this. All four Gospels speak about the women uh, going to the tomb of Jesus early in the morning with a purpose and with an intention. So I see so much beauty in this and I just can't skip over it. This, This can't wait until Mother's Day, right? These women, what they did was beautiful. What they did was amazing. And we're going to get into that um, a little bit today. It was the women who went to the tomb early while it was still dark. It was the women who, as the first day of the week began to dawn, came to see the tomb. It was the women who bought spices that they might come and anoint him. It was the women who brought the spices which they themselves had prepared. So, listen, these, these women, they woke up early in the morning while others were still sleeping. <clears throat> they had bought spices and personally prepared them. And they brought these spices they prepared to the tomb for a purpose. And it was in, in order to anoint the body of Jesus. It was in order to anoint the body of of Jesus. They left their homes while it was still dark and began the journey toward the tomb 
And by the time they arrived, the sun was coming up. And their reason for going was not to see a risen Savior, but again, it was to anoint his body. It was to anoint his body. Even in death, the Lord was extremely valuable to these women. Even in death, he was extremely important to these women. And I don't know what you see here, but I see love. They knew that the tomb was secure. They knew that the tomb was guarded, yet they still did the preparation and they made the journey of faith toward the tomb on that early Sunday morning, the first day of the week. The body of Christ was important to them. The body of Christ was important to these women and I hope that you can see that. So then my question to you today is this, is the body of Christ important to you? Is the body of Christ important to you today in 2020, especially during this pandemic? Is the body of Christ important to you? Luke 24 and verse 3, then they went in and did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. These women were looking for the body of Christ and when they couldn't find it, they were moved and they were deeply concerned and they were troubled. They came to find his body and when they couldn't find it, they came to seek his body and when they couldn't find it, they were deeply disturbed and they were moved and they were troubled by this. Now, Listen, is the body of Christ important to you? Is his body important to you? For some believers, they could care less about the, the body of Christ and what happens to the body of Christ, uh, especially in this season. They could care less in this season uh, what happens to the body of Christ for some believers. And it's sad to say that, but it is the truth. And this is just an opportunity uh, for them to slip through the cracks with less accountability. For, for some so-called believers, this whole pandemic and this whole online virtual stuff is just an opportunity for certain believers that, um, that came to church just for, just for show or just out of tradition. This is an amazing time for them to just slip through the cracks without any real accountability. And they are somewhat enjoying this. They, they're getting a, a rest or a break uh, from church in their hearts and, and in their minds. That's the way that they view this situation right now. Now, listen, I know that I'm intentionally using a natural example of Christ's physical body in order to make a spiritual point. But if these women could show this kind of love to the physical dead body of Christ before he had risen, then how much more should we, should you and I show a greater love to the spiritual body of Christ that lives and exists through the church? Is the body of Christ important to you? How do you react with the body of Christ? How do you interact with the body of Christ? Right now in this season, it may literally feel like the body of Christ has been placed in a tomb. It may 
feel that way to you. That the body of Christ has been wrapped and placed in a tomb. Okay, well, how do you respond to that? How do you respond to that? For you, the fact that you may feel like the body of Christ is in a tomb, does that stop you from interacting with it? Does that stop you from caring for it? Does that stop you from fellowshipping with it? Answer that question for yourself. You see, these women were zealous for the Lord and they had a genuine love for Him even within His death before they truly understood that a resurrection day was coming. They still had a sincere love for the body of Christ. And they did not want to bring shame to the body of Christ. They did not want the body of Christ to stink or to smell. They wanted to make his body smell good and they wanted to preserve his physical body on the earth for as long as they possibly could. Now, these women, obviously, we know that they lacked understanding, yet they had great intentions and they came from a heart of love towards the body of Christ. Today, obviously, if you haven't caught on already, but today the body of Christ represents the church. That's what that represents today. That's what that represents in this season. Today, the body of Christ represents the church. You and I are the body of Christ. Now, this is going to be a, a light rebuke for some of you this morning. Uh, for some of you right here at the Way City Church and for many other believers around the world, this season where we are homebound or Better yet still, for the sake of the example, tomb-bound. But this season where we are homebound or, or tomb-bound is a season or is an excuse for you to stop caring for the body of Christ. And for you to stop interacting with the body of Christ, this is just an excuse for you to become disconnected from the body of Christ. And I get it that it's not wise for us to meet physically right now, but we can still interact spiritually, virtually online through virtual meetings. And this is just for a season and this too shall pass. Now, there are many uh, or there are very few, excuse me, valid excuses that I believe that you can give to me as to why you cannot gather virtually with your church in this season. There are very few excuses that you can give to me today or that you can give to your pastor if you worship somewhere else as to why you cannot still gather and meet virtually online with your church right now in this season. Very little excuses why you cannot be connecting with your local church. We have, or many of us, most of us have more time than before. Most of us are working from home and we are picking our schedules. 
So for you not to be able to tune in on a Sunday morning for an hour or, or on a Wednesday for, for an hour, um, I really think there, there are little excuses for you to be disconnecting from your church during this season. Again, this is a light rebuke. It is then no surprise that Jesus um, appeared to all these women. I'm not surprised that they were the ones who he revealed himself to, that they were the ones who he showed himself to. It is no surprise to me that he revealed himself to Mary Magdalene and to Mary, the mother of James, and to Salome and to Joanna and to the other women that were with them. It is no surprise because they positioned themselves to see him. They position themselves in a place to see Jesus. And if you want to see the face of Jesus, then I would say to you, simply seek him. If you want to see the face of Jesus, then simply seek him. Seek him with this kind of love and passion. Learn from these women of faith. For God says, you will seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart in Jeremiah 29. And Jesus said in Luke 11 verses 9 and 10, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds and he who knocks the door will be opened. So seek him and you will find him. And these women, they sought him and boy, did they find him and boy, did, did he reveal himself to them. These women positioned themselves strategically in a place where God was compelled to reveal himself to them. Men, step up to the plate. Step up to the plate. If, if you are married, I want you to show your wife that you still value the body of Christ and virtual worship in this season. Grab her hand and walk her toward the TV screen or the computer screen and worship with her on Sundays. Worship with her on Wednesdays. Worship with her on, 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 on Thursdays with one of the um, community groups or city groups. Encourage her to, to worship on, on Tuesdays with the women if she's able. But there are many opportunities that the Way City Church is providing for, for you right now, for us to be able to connect with one another. And please don't despise that or take that for granted. So if you're married, men, lead by example. It's interesting to me that women make up 60% of the church and many would say that number is even higher. But women make up at least 60% of the church. 60% is women. However, in Buddhism, the men are the majority. In Hinduism, the men are the majority. In Judaism, the men are the majority. In Islam, the men are the majority. The Christian men have been lacking for a long time. And it's time for you to step up to the plate. And it's time for you uh, men to, to, to seek the face of the Lord. And again, if you have a family, to lead by example.
And I pray that that would not be the case at the Way City Church where the men at the Way City Church are lacking and not leading. But I'm, but I'm calling you to, to uh, balance your schedule, to balance your time, which I believe that you can easily do in this season and make time for the things of God. Amen? Make time for the things of God. Moving on. Moving on. John chapter 21. So after Jesus rose from the dead, and I really uh, just felt compelled to, to share that with you. That was on my heart. Um, these women led us by an amazing example uh, in the Bible. These women of faith about caring uh, and tending to the physical body of Christ. And I think that again in this season that we have, that many have, not all of us, but, but many have neglected the body of Christ because they can hide behind their four, wheel, um, their four walls and there's uh, very little or less accountability in this season. So I just really felt uh, compelled to, to share that with you. Uh, again, as a light rebuke um, to the Way City Church, but also to anyone else out there um, who attends other churches, uh, connect with your churches during this season. They are producing material and content so that they can stay connected with you. So again, don't despise that and don't neglect that. So John 21 is where we are today. And after Jesus rose from the dead, he spent the next 40 days appearing to people on the earth and he showed himself to them. He spoke uh, many things to people for 40 days and he did many things in the presence of many people for 40 days. On Wednesday, we looked at one of those encounters in Luke 24, 13 through 35 during our online gathering time where Jesus met two of his disciples on the road to Emmaus. And today we will look at another encounter found in John uh, 21, 1 through 14. So let's dive into the text. John chapter 21 verses 1 through 14. Find your Bibles and turn there. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Verse 4. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Verse six again. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast. And now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude a fish. Wow. Therefore, verse 7, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had 
uh, removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat, for they were not far from land, for, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Verse 9. Then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them. And likewise, the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Amen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you today for the beauty of your word. We thank you for John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. We thank you that your word is living, that your word is powerful, that your word is sharper than any two-edged sword separating even to the division of soul and of spirit and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. Father, we thank you for the beauty of your word and we thank you for the truth of your word and we thank you that you came for 40 days and you appeared to your disciples and to many and you spoke many things and you did many things. And Lord, I pray that us today in 2020 that we would learn, Father, that we would not only just uh, read about the stories of you appearing to the disciples, but we understand that your word is and is able to transform our lives today, that all scripture is profitable for doctrine and for reproof and for correction in righteousness. So Father, we thank you, Lord God Almighty, for your word speaking and ministering to us today. That we would learn from it, that we would be able to apply it to our lives and that it is relevant for us in 2020. So we thank you for John chapter 21. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us through this word in Jesus name. We pray. Amen. And amen. All right. So this chapter reveals to us that Jesus is alive. It clearly reveals to us that Jesus is alive. He lives and he lives indeed. Let's dive into the text. Verse one. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, which is also known as the Sea of Galilee and also known as Lake Gennesaret. It goes by many names, the Sea of Tiberias, the Sea of Galilee, and also Lake Gennesaret. So we know that Jesus has shown himself um, before, right? We know he's shown himself before. 
each time for different purposes. And now he shows himself again. After these things, Jesus showed himself again. So he's shown himself before and now he shows himself again uh, by the Sea of Galilee or by the Sea of Tiberias. And in this way, he showed himself. Verse 2, Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, <coughs> Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two others of his disciples were together. So seven disciples in total, he reveals himself to. Verse 3, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. He says, I am going fishing. Now, there's a few reasons why Peter may have gone fishing. Number one, after everything that happened in Jerusalem with the crucifixion and the resurrection and seeing Jesus a couple of times in what was probably the upper room, Peter just needed to get away to clear his mind. And he ended up going to the same sea where he first met Jesus, where Jesus first uh, revealed himself to him and introduced himself to him and he said I'm I'm going um, to to get away to clear my mind and maybe even to uh, to reminisce in the same place where Jesus first introduced himself to me number one number two is that uh, Peter was just hungry maybe he was hungry and he had no fish and he said hey man I have to go fishing uh, I'm starving I gotta eat uh, and this is not good for uh, for business so I'm Going fishing, I'm hungry, but also um, maybe I'm going to uh, do some business uh, on the side. Number three is that he was going back to his old life. That, yeah, he was picking up his business as before, and it was more than just being hungry. And he says, man, I'm going back uh, to my old life. Um, he was going back to that which was comfortable for him. He was taking back control, maybe even of his life. Or he was going to at least fish until he received further instruction uh, from the Lord. And I think this one is a strong uh, possibility on the fact that the Bible tells us that he was unsuccessful. So he went back uh, to what was familiar with him, but he was unsuccessful in this season. And then the question that, that Jesus asks Peter in verse 15 uh, could also um, validate this point as well. However, I won't tell you for sure this morning the reason why Peter said I'm going fishing because the text doesn't clearly reveal to me the why. The, the truth is I really don't know why Peter said I'm going fishing. I can speculate, uh, you know, the one, two, three, maybe a couple other reasons why uh, Peter could have said that he was going fishing. So, um, yeah, for that reason, I'm not going to tell you why Peter was going fishing because that hasn't been revealed to me in the text. And instead, I'm going to use this as an opportunity to speak about the pride of men. The, the pride of man seeks to judge the motives and the heart of another man without knowing the facts. The pride of men. It, it seeks to judge the motives and the heart of another man or of another individual without truly knowing the facts. Wouldn't it be easy for me to judge the motives of Peter's heart and to say to you exactly why he went fishing 
and that he was an ungrateful backslider. Wouldn't that be very easy for me to, to say that and to, and to draw that conclusion? Maybe, maybe he was. Maybe he was an ungrateful backslider and maybe he was going back to his old life. And I'm not saying that he wasn't. But I also understand that maybe uh, he wasn't going back to his old life. And I don't know enough to pass judgment. That's my point today. And it is the pride of man that thinks that he knows the, the intentions uh, and, the, uh, and the reasonings um, bef- behind another man's actions. That is the pride of man. God knows all things. He is omniscient. He is all-knowing. But you and I, my friend, we are not. And we can make the wrong judgment calls many times. Did you also know that the women who spoke about, the women who we spoke about earlier at the tomb, they gave the disciples a message from Jesus in Matthew 28 and verse 10, where Jesus said these words to the women. He said to them, do not be afraid. And then he said, go and tell my brethren to go to Galilee and there they will see me. So what if Peter actually went to Galilee with the hope and and anticipation of seeing Jesus again? What if that was the reason? What if that was the motivation of why he went? Because the women gave him a message from Jesus that said, hey, tell the disciples to go to Galilee and there they will see me again. And what if Peter went to the Sea of Galilee and he went fishing with the hope of seeing the risen Lord again? And um, again, you know, it reminds me of these times that we are in, you know, the Way City Church has made a decision to not assemble together right now in the season. And nobody can interpret the motives of, of my heart um, in regards to that decision except God. However, in all fairness, I would say that it was a very easy decision because we also don't have the option to meet within our worship facility. Uh, our, our meeting space is not our own, you know, we don't own it, it doesn't belong to us, so it's actually not an option for us to meet um, either way. But to add to that, I would say that I am also uh, not convicted by us not gathering together in person right now. And I also agree in honouring the governing authorities and helping to keep people safe in this season. So I'm, I'm okay with, with honoring those authorities right now, the governing authorities. There is no conviction within me um, by us not gathering. So I, I realize that it is very uh, easy then since I have made uh, this decision. And again, we're not able to physically meet because we don't own um, our building or our space. Um, but I've seen that it's easy for for me or for us or for other pastors or leaders or other uh, church folks to make judgments on maybe those who, who have decided to meet. There are a few other churches out there that are still meeting during this season. And I would say that I cannot judge, again, the very few pastors that have kept their doors open in this season and are facing the consequences because of it. Uh, they also cannot violate their conscience. 
and maybe what they're doing, that's between them and that's between them and their congregation and that's between them and God. Uh, but I will not uh, uh, judge their heart and their motives either because they're in a different place than, than I am. So verse 3 uh, continued. They said to him, we are going with you also. So Peter said he's going fishing and the other guys said we are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. They got into the boat and that night they caught nothing. Now, whether they caught nothing because of Peter's disobedience, because he was perhaps never supposed to have been there. The point is they worked in their strength, in their own strength all night long. And they had absolutely nothing to show for it. Absolutely nothing to show for it. Verse four. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. They did not recognize him. They did not know it was Jesus. They didn't recognize him, maybe because of the, of the distance, um, but they didn't recognize him. They didn't know that it was the Lord. Verse five, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? And they answered simply, no. You have seven grown men, many of them uh, professional fishermen, and they couldn't even feed themselves. Verse six, and he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. Cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast and now they, they were not able to draw it because of the multitude of fish. They cast the net on the right side of the boat and now they were no longer able to draw because of the multitude of the fish. You know, this makes no sense here because uh, the best time to fish was at night. That was the best time. And many fishermen would uh, say that the, um, that the fish could clearly see a cast net during the day. That's why at night it was the best time to fish. And now we see the, the sun is rising and Jesus is saying to them, cast a net. And they're thinking to themselves, hey, listen, uh, I'm a professional fisherman and I cast my net and we've cast this net all night long. And if I couldn't catch fish <laughs> during the night, there's no way that we're going to catch it now, now that the sun has come up. But uh, obedience will always go before a blessing. Isaiah 1 and verse 19 says, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the good of the land. Other translations say, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat of the best of the land. So obedience will always go before a blessing. So at the word of, of, of Jesus, at the word of Jesus and obedience to his word, they cast their net and boom, did they see a blessing. This would have also have been uh, deja vu 
from Luke chapter 5 when Jesus first met Peter and the three other disciples and he called them to himself. Peter lets Jesus use his boat to preach. And then in Luke 5 verses 4 through 11, after Jesus has preached to the multitudes, the Bible says this, when he had stopped speaking, he said to Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said to him, Master, we have toiled all night and caught nothing. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats. So they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will catch men. So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. So this is familiar to Peter and he must have remembered the Lord as it was right here by this lake that he was first called by the master in Luke chapter 5. So this would have been a moment for Peter. And if Peter came to the lake in order to, not because he was going back to his old life, but in order to, to hope in anticipation to see the risen Lord, also based on the word that the women gave to the disciples in Matthew 28, to go and wait by the Sea of Galilee or, by, or in Galilee. If that was the reason why Peter left and why he came to Galilee, then he is overjoyed at this point that he came here to seek the Lord. He came here in, in hopes that the Lord would come and reveal himself to him again. And it happened just as he willed and just as he wished. Again, I don't know the reason why he went fishing, but there's a moment of deja vu here, identical to Luke chapter five. And Peter knows that, wow, this is, this is the Lord at work. Verse 7, therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. It is the Lord. It's, it's definitely Jesus. It is definitely the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it, and he plunged into the sea. I just, I just love that, that imagery. When he heard that it was the Lord, what, what John, the disciple whom, whom Jesus loved, when he said to Peter, it is the Lord, it was probably confirmation in his spirit. And he just dived, he plunged into the sea. Now you have to understand that, that, that Peter has matured here. When he first met Jesus, it said in Luke 5.8, which we just read, but when he first met Jesus, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. When he first 
met Jesus, he was completely aware of his sin. And he was, he was aware that he shouldn't be in the presence of Jesus. He was aware of that and he said, depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. But since then, since then, since that time, for the, the three years, three and a half years that Peter was with Jesus, since then Peter has sinned greatly. He's denied the Lord three times. But instead of running away from the Lord, he learned a little something in three years, and it was this, that Jesus loves sinners. So at this point, he, he runs to Jesus, or should I say he, he swam to the Lord, knowing that he is full of grace and mercy. So when he first meets the Lord in Luke 5, he says, depart from me, for I am a sinner. He's walked with the Lord for three, three and a half years. He's denied him three times. Now would have been the time to, to run from the Lord, to swim away from the Lord. But he's learned something about the Lord and that it is, he is gracious and that he is merciful and it's that he loves sinners. And the way that Peter reacts to Jesus after being with him for three years is different than the way he reacted to him three years before and he plunged into the sea and he swam as fast as he could into the presence of the Lord and I love this the more you know him the closer you will draw to him when you sin the more that you know him the closer you will run to him or draw to him when you sin it is our nature to run and to hide like Adam and Eve in the garden it is our nature to run and to hide, but it's God's nature to come after us and to clothe us with righteousness. God does not want our fellowship to be interrupted when we sin. And this is one of sin's greatest goals, I believe. It is to interrupt our fellowship with the Father. So we run and we hide. So I want to encourage you in this season. I want to encourage you that in your sin, don't run away, don't swim away from Jesus, but you run to him, you swim to him as fast as you possibly can because he is a God that is loving and is merciful and is gracious and he receives all who come to him. He receives all and he will uh, in no means cast out or despise or reject any who run or who come to him. His mercies are new every morning. Verse eight, but the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from land, but about 200 cubits dragging, dragging the net with fish. 200 cubits is about 100 yards, which is about 300 feet. Verse nine, then as soon as they had come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish which you have just caught. Simon Peter went up and dragged the net to land full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Let me also say this. Um, so Jesus tells the disciples to, to cast the net and they were obedient. 
and 153 fish were caught. That is a mighty catch. That is a, an amazing catch. And I'm not going to get into the numbers and try to break down and, and, and come up with some doctrine based on the numbers 153. Um, but, but what it means is that it was a great catch. It was a, it was a big catch. And what it means is that Jesus is our uh, provider. He is Jehovah Jireh, our provider. He is El Shaddai. He's the God who is more than enough, right? He provides more than enough. That's the kind of God that we serve. When we place our net in his hand, when we cast our net based on his instruction, oh my goodness, we will receive more than we anticipated he gives us more than we can ask or imagine or think. We serve an amazing God. But also uh, an interesting point here is Jesus said, cast your net and the net was full. But also the Bible says the net did not break. In Luke chapter 5, when, when Peter first met Jesus and, and Jesus told him, he said, cast your nets into the boat, plural. And Peter, there was actually a little bit of uh, disobedience there because Jesus said, cast your nets, plural, into the boat. And, and, and uh, Peter said, I will cast my net. Basically, he, he cast his net. So he cast a net, a single net into, into the water. And guess what happened? The net broke. The net broke and the, the fish um, filled the boats and the other boat, two boats were filled with fish, but the net broke. And I think that could be um, a, a little uh, revelation there on obedience versus disobedience. Jesus said, cast the nets because he had plenty of fish to give to them and he wanted to fill all of the nets. Peter, maybe uh, his faith was only for a single net. Um, so he cast a single net and the net broke, but God still provided and he still filled their boats. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. Yet none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you, knowing that it was the Lord. Jesus then came and took the bread and gave it to them and likewise the fish. This is now the third time Jesus showed himself to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. Listen, he wants them to be assured that he is alive. This is the third time he appeared to them. Uh, the, the first time was probably there um, in, the, in the upper room, um, as, as many call it, but the upper room. And Thomas was absent the first time he appeared to them. The second time was upper room. Uh, Thomas is present. And then the third time is right here. And there are seven disciples that are here. So that's the, this is the third time that he appears to his disciples. But Jesus, he wants them he wants his disciples to be assured that he is alive but also that he is in his glorified body he wants them to know that he can eat and he can drink he wants them to know that he can be felt uh, but he can also pass through walls this is the glorified body you can touch it he can eat he can drink um, but he can also pass through walls now one of the reasons as we conclude here, one of the reasons why John would have wanted to emphasize the truth that Jesus had a real physical body was because of the heresy of Gnosticism, right? Gnosticism, which would have believed that the spirit of Christ came upon the man, Jesus Christ, at baptism, and that the spirit of Christ left him right before his crucifixion. 
So this mixture of Greek philosophy with Jewish tenets and Christianity was a major problem within the early church. So John is making sure that he's countering some of those uh, beliefs and some of those false doctrines uh, about our Savior. Uh, and First John is also written um, to combat this heresy. So Jesus wanted his disciples to know that he is alive indeed and that he is still their provider. He still loves and he still cares for them. He provided for them while he was on the earth and he's still providing for them after he, he has gone. And I want you to know that he does the same for you today. Amen and amen and amen. God is your provider. He will take care of you. And Jesus said it is more beneficial to you that I go away and that the spirit come. So even though uh, the physical body of Jesus is no longer here, it is to our advantage, it is to our benefit that the Holy Spirit be here, uh, Jesus said, uh, over he himself being here. When Jesus was here, he was somewhat limited, right? He could only be in one place at one time. If, you, if he was having a conversation with, with James, he could not be having a conversation with Peter unless they were in the same room, a part of the same conversation. But today, through the Holy Spirit, we can be here in Woodbridge, Virginia. Someone else can be worshiping him in London, England. Someone else in, in Ethiopia. All over the world, we can be worshiping and, and interacting with the Spirit of God and communing and fellowshipping with Christ and with God through the Holy Spirit in, in, in all places at all times. We all have access to him. So it's more beneficial, he said, that I go away and that the Spirit Come. So he is your provider. He loves you and he is, um, he is merciful and he is gracious. I want to remind you and I want to encourage you that within your sin, may you always run to him. May you never turn from him. May you never run away from him in your sin. But God welcomes sinners and he welcomes you today. So I simply want you to understand that if you understand that you are a sinner, if you know that you are a sinner, if you acknowledge that you are a sinner, my, my charge for you today is that you would call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who came for you, who lived a perfect life, who died for you, who rose again for you and proved to you that if you trust and believe in him, that just as he died and rose again, so will you. I encourage you to do that today. If you don't know him, call upon him and he will receive you. God bless you and I love you. Father, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for the Way City Church. Thank you, Lord, for our amazing church family. And Father, I pray, Lord, that our church family would know today, Lord, that we have love for one another. Lord, your word says that uh, they would know that we are your disciples by our love for one another. So Father, I pray that they would know, Lord, that we love each other. Lord, may the church know, Lord, that, that, that I love them, Lord, that, um, that, that you love them more importantly. And Father, I pray that you would help us, Lord, to, uh, to, to love your body, to cherish your body, the body of Christ. That we, um, that we would do um, anything to, to, to stop the body of Christ from, from stinking or from smelling, Lord. But we don't want uh, the body of Christ to give off a, a, a foul aroma. But Father, we want the aroma of the body of Christ to be, to be pleasing. 
Father, and to, uh, and to draw uh, people, Father, uh, to you. So, Father, that is who we strive to be. Help us to be on mission. Help us to value and to love your body and help us to always turn to you and run to you. May we know that you are our provider today, that you care for us, that you are with us, Lord, um, that you are always with us, that you would never leave us nor forsake us. And we love you, we bless you, and we give this time to you. In Jesus' name, we pray. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at thewaycitychurch.org.